Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. And as always, brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also by Liquidware, providing enterprise-class management solutions for physical, virtual, or cloud-based Windows desktops. And of course, also brought to you by PolicyPack Software, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lock down applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. If you enjoy the show each week, you have them to thank. And now for some news. So I don't want to dwell too much on this SolarWinds story in this episode or in the next few upcoming episodes. I feel like I've covered a lot of it over the last few weeks. But there were a few interesting updates to the story that I felt like I had to share. So first up, Ars Technica reported that the U.S. Justice Department's Office 365 system has been compromised and the hackers accessed email center received from about 3% of accounts. And the department has more than 100,000 employees, so that's at least 3,000 accounts. That's pretty significant. Also related to the SolarWinds hack, BleepingComputer.com reported this week that JetBrains TeamCity, a continuous integration and deployment system used for unit testing and code quality analysis, may have been a potential attack vector used by the SolarWinds hackers. BleepingComputer.com's article presents multiple potential investigation avenues, including the possibility that the Team City software was backdoored by the threat actors to infiltrate JetBrains customer systems, and that a SolarWinds Team City server was compromised by exploiting high severity or critical vulnerabilities. Now, importantly, for their part, JetBrains CEO Maxim Shafarov stated, quote, We have not played any role in this breach nor are we aware of any vulnerabilities in Team City that may have led to this breach, as we are also not aware of any investigation underway, end quote. And to tie a bow on the SolarWinds hack stories for this week, congrats go to Christopher Krebs and also to SolarWinds, as the Financial Times reported this week that they have hired Christopher Krebs, who recently worked as head of cybersecurity for the U.S. government, to help coordinate their crisis response related to this attack. And I think that's a really smart move because obviously in his previous role, he would have been up close and personal with a lot of information and data that's probably relevant to this hack and could help shape SolarWinds ongoing response. The FBI have issued a warning to private sector companies that the eGregor ransomware operation is actively targeting and extorting businesses worldwide. The FBI has stated that eGregor claims to have already hit and compromised more than 150 victims since the agency first observed their malicious activity starting in September 2020. They warn of phishing emails with malicious attachments and insecure remote desktop protocol or RDP or VPNs are some of the attack vectors used by eGregor actors to gain access and to move laterally within their victims' networks. 
BleepyComputer.com reports that the FBI also shared a pretty interesting list of recommended mitigation measures that should help defend against eGregor's attacks. And these include backup critical data offline, ensure copies of critical data are in the cloud or on an external hard drive or storage device, secure your backups and ensure data is not accessible for modification or deletion from the system where the data resides. Install and regularly update antivirus or anti-malware software on all hosts. Only use secure networks and avoid using public Wi-Fi networks. Use two-factor authentication and do not click on unsolicited attachments or links in emails. Prioritize patching of public-facing remote access products and applications, including recent RDP vulnerabilities, such as CVE-2020-0609, 0610, 1986, 1489, 1225, 1224, and 1108. And actually those last four, the 1489, 1225, 1224, 1108, are actually prefixed with CVE-2019, so even though it says recent, some of those are not so recent. We also recommend reviewing suspicious.bat and .dll files, files with recon data such as log files, and exfiltration tools. And finally, also securely configure RDP by restricting access using multi-factor authentication or strong passwords. All very good recommendations. Canadian cannabis producer Aurora Cannabis have been breached. Data compromised in this breach includes credit card information, government IDs, home addresses, and banking details. BleepyComputer.com reports that stolen data from the breach has been posted on a hacker form for one Bitcoin, approximately $41,000 at today's prices at the time of this recording. As part of the blog post or forum post to promote the sale, the threat actor leaked images of 11 files stolen during the attack. The threat actor claims to have stolen 50 gigs of data, including customers' and employees' personal information. So not just customers being affected here, employees too. There's no solid word yet on whether or not Aurora Cannabis are engaging with the attackers or if they intend to pay the ransom. But the attackers claim they are still in their network at this time. Stick with this episode to get to the scripts, tricks, and tips because there's a couple of solutions that I talk about or blog posts from the community that could help protect your organization from these types of breaches. Many people returning to work this week after the holidays were left frustrated on Monday when Slack experienced a major outage that saw Google Calendar, Outlook Calendar, email notifications, email forwarding and replies, and the ability to create new email addresses for channels become fully unavailable. Some in the community had fun pointing out that their status page showed a 100% uptime during the actual outage. It now displays 99.99%, but unfortunately no root cause has yet been provided at the time of this recording. While working to resolve issues involved with the outage on January 4th, Slack determined the best course of action was for them to temporarily disable those features in order to minimize risk to all systems involved. They worked to restore services to the features and reached a full resolution by 7.16pm PST time. 
So this is an outage that spanned several hours. But the good news is it's back so everyone can be productive again. This week F5 announced that they are to acquire Volterra. They state that they will acquire all issued and outstanding shares of the privately held company for approximately $440 million in cash and $60 million in deferred consideration and, ass and assumed unvested incentive compensation to founders and employees. So congratulations to the Volterra employees. In their statement, F5 recommitted to a previous statement they made that they will return $1 billion of capital over the next two years. They state that Volterra enables a new Edge 2.0, so like Edge networking, Edge computing, open Edge platform that will transform F5's leadership position in enterprise application security and delivery, addressing challenges inherent with first-generation Edge solutions. They state the platform will be security first, delivering industry leading security instead of commodity security added to a CDN or cloud. It will be app driven, providing universal build once, deploy globally app delivery, and unlimited in scale. If you've been following the podcast since the beginning, which is over three years now, this is certainly not the first acquisition made by F5. They've acquired quite a few different startups over the last three years so it's impressive to see them continuing to acquire and continuing to innovate and improve their offering and speaking of acquisitions red hat have acquired stack rocks a leader and innovator in container and kubernetes native security by bringing stack rocks powerful kubernetes native security capabilities to red hat openshift they state that they will further its vision to deliver a single holistic platform that enables users to build, deploy, and securely run nearly any application across the entirety of the hybrid cloud. StackRox's software provides visibility across all Kubernetes clusters by directly deploying components for enforcement and deep data collection into the Kubernetes cluster infrastructure, reducing the time and effort needed to implement security and streamlining security analysis, investigation, and remediation. So for anyone who created a company around container deployment, container security, and container network visibility, <laughs> you've probably sold your company in the last couple of years. It seems to be a pretty hot topic. This week, Microsoft released their MSIX packaging extension for Azure DevOps. The extension in Azure DevOps helps you build, package, and sign Windows apps using the MSIX package format. In their announcement, they say that continuous integration and deployment have become an integral part of the development process to improve efficiency and quality while reducing cost and time to market. They say that before this release, packaging and deploying MSIX apps into Azure Pipelines was tedious, specifically for people that are not Azure Pipelines or MSIX experts. And they claim that the new Azure DevOps extension offers a straightforward, intuitive, and user interface-based solution, making it easier to automate build and deployment processes for apps being packaged as MSIX. So if you're up on your DevOps and you're invested in Azure, 
this could be one worth checking out. NVIDIA's proposed acquisition of ARM or ARM is under investigation by UK regulators. The Financial Times reports that multiple competitors have raised concerns about the deal and how it may reduce competition. The report states that this investigation may take some time to complete, and of course, with these types of acquisitions, this type of investigation is not all that surprising. It doesn't mean that the acquisition won't go ahead, it just means that there's some predictable delay with it. And hopefully I get this episode out in time. Don't forget that the deadline is looming for VMware vExpert applications. If you'd like to join the program, apply right away. And now this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. So I'm going to try and be as concise as possible because if you listen to last week's episode, I actually compiled a list for last week, but I didn't cover them because I did a kind of best in year wrap up type segment instead. So there's a lot to cover in this week's scripts, tricks, and tips, but I'll be concise. First up, virtualizationhowto.com posted a really handy guide for how to add a wireless network and have it work inside a VMware virtual machine. It does involve using a USB dongle, but it's a cool idea and really useful if you need it for testing something that's maybe contextually aware, for example. Ariane Mensch shared an evergreen ADMX script that he created. He states that after deploying several WVD environments, he decided that he no longer wanted to manually download the ADMX files he needed, and he wanted a way to keep them up to date. So this script solves both problems. It checks for newer versions of the ADMX files that are present and processes the new versions if found, and it also optionally copies the new ADMX files to the policy store or definition folder or a folder of your choice. So nice job, Aryan. Thanks for that. There's a really powerful PowerShell script from human equivalent Unity that appears to be able to read images with text in them and carry out an action based on what it sees. This could be incredibly useful for potentially doing unit testing, like you can with Selenium, for example, or better yet, for automating data entry on monotonous tasks. So it's cool, definitely want to check out. So I teased these next two a little bit during the news, but the awesome Patrick Koble was back with a great blog post on application control, doing a good job of talking about the virtues of AppLocker, PolicyPack, antivirus solutions, and more in your fight to secure your environment as much as possible. So Patrick is one of the leading experts in EUC security and VDI security and just every form of security, really. So check out that blog post for some really great information. And also my fellow Irishman, David Wilkinson, shared a great blog that he created on the recently announced privilege escalation feature in Citrix WEM. This blog is good reading after you read Patrick Koble's post, so read them both together. It's pretty good. Patrick Matula shared an issue that he encountered with his Citrix VDAs that were provisioned with PVS where they would become unresponsive with the cache filling up. I won't give away what he found, but it's really great to see the steps that he used to investigate. The culprit was one of our old foes in EUC. You'll know what I mean when you read it. 
Great job, Patrick, and thanks for sharing. And I will share that and all the links and references that I've made in this episode with this podcast on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for episode 158. Next up, Ryan and Yeto are back this week with a blog post on automating deployment of Citrix microapps with DevOps. If you haven't checked out microapps yet, you should. They're pretty cool. I'd love to create some useful widgets for my Citrix workspace portal. I need the time to do it, but this blog post at least provides some really useful information and more inspiration for me to do so. So it might work for you too, so check it out. The great Helga Klein shared a blog post on Microsoft's per-user services in Windows that was rolled out some time ago, but to relatively low fanfare at the time. It is somewhat of a paradigm shift, and in this post, Helga explains the benefits of leveraging these per-user services and kind of works through some of the questions and thoughts he has about them. It's a really interesting post. And finally, because like I said, I'm keeping it concise, if you follow the podcast, you may notice that I'm a big fan of quick tips and commandlets, like those that Thorsten and Guy share each and every week. Well, this week, Wondersick.com shared a session from Microsoft Ignite in 2018. So, almost three years old, but still really cool and really relevant. And the session is on 45 life hacks of the Windows OS in 45 minutes. I love it. Some you may already be aware of, but most you will not. And even if you are aware of some, others who watch this may not be. So it's a good idea to watch it yourself and also share it with others to help us all become more proficient with the Windows operating system. Well, that's it for another episode. Thank you all so much for listening.